Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. Welcome back to the show. So happy to have you with us again today. And we're going to take a look at going from nothing to 1.6 billion in transactions in three years time. With us is Zach Haptenstahl, who is the chief executive officer and co-founder of Rise 48 Equity, which has completed over 1.6 billion in transactions in the last three years. Rise 48 Equity now has over 130 full-time employees in the Phoenix, Arizona area. So Zach, take us into the show and share an experience that was key in helping you to be who you are today. Yeah, no, thanks so much, Alan. Great to be back on the show. I think we were just talking. It's been a year and a half, two years since you first had me on. So really appreciate the opportunity again. Great to see you. And yeah, I mean, you know, in regards to kind of some of the formative experiences, you know, I, I kind of grew up in just like a regular, you know, lower middle class family. I was always taught by my parents to do really well in school, you know, be disciplined. I played sports, you know, I, I played division two college football. So I think some of those things as far as just maintaining discipline and focus in academics and in in sports and you know facing the competition and and kind of the mental and physical adversity that goes into playing a sport i think that helps a lot can translate to entrepreneurship and going through some of the adversity that you face especially in the early years of starting to start a multifamily company but even you know day to day you know there's always adversity always challenges we have to overcome especially as you're trying to grow so i think just being in sports being in a competitive environment you know really helped me to kind of translate the, the lessons I learned to, to multifamily. And Zach, you actually did learn how to excel. You graduated to a cum laude with a degree in journalism, and you first went into television broadcasting. So uh, been uh, through a number of different things. Uh, following that, I believe you went into pharmaceutical sales or medical sales of some sort. I don't remember exactly what that was and did very well in that as well. And then transitioned to multifamily investing. And when we first met and first talked, I think you had been into that for approximately a year or so. So you have come a long ways since that time. So Zach, tell us about how it is that you have been able to scale your business so dramatically in uh, such a short period of time. Yeah, no, thanks. We've been very blessed and fortunate to you know be able to scale here. And so I think it's a number of different things. I mean, I've got my two business partners, Bikron Sandu and Robert Shefchik, and we really formed complementary roles and are able to you know effectively scale different departments of the business. But I think it first started, Alan, when you know we started to. I mean, there's, there's a combination of things. I mean, we 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 source a lot of our deals off market. You know, through these broker relationships, we've done a good job sourcing deals and, and getting a competitive advantage just by being local and, and really you know working these broker relationships. I think because we're local and we've really made a, a point to build out infrastructure by taking property management in-house, becoming completely vertically integrated, doing all the construction management in-house um, and, and controlling our supply chain by buying all of our supplies directly wholesale, direct from a manufacturer. I think that we've done probably a, a better job at executing our business plans than and, and probably done a done it more quickly than a lot of other groups in their early years. And so what that's allowed us to do 
is go full cycle on several deals in a short amount of time, meaning that we buy a deal, we execute the business plan, and we sell it and get a very strong return for our investors. And so, you know, since we've started, we've purchased 35 properties, you know, over $1.3 billion worth of assets, over 6,000 units. Well, we've already gone full cycle, successfully executed the business plan and sold 11 of those assets, right? And, and so each time we're selling a deal, Alan, we're just getting inundated with new referrals of new investors, of our previous investors who were very happy with their experience and they're referring their colleagues, friends, and family. So everything is kind of moving in the same direction. You've got multiple variables here, multiple dimensions of the company that have to advance at the same rate for you to be able to scale and to be able to have infrastructure to support that scale. And so, and we've been able to kind of keep all those moving in the same direction. So we have a lot more equity demand as we execute on these business plans and go full cycle. And then as we close more deals, we get a stronger track record with the local brokerage community. So we really are seeing, you know, most of the deals off market before anybody sees them. And then, you know, we, I think we've done a good job at quickly building that infrastructure operationally. Like I mentioned, you know, we, when we started, we obviously didn't have any employees. Well, now we have over 130 plus full-time employees and we've made sure that we have very robust asset management, accounting departments, investor relations, marketing, and we're always trying to look at how can we get better and how can we attract and retain the best talent. And so there's you know a bunch of different things that we're doing, but I think the biggest thing is that we're you know we're never really satisfied and, and have not gotten complacent, and we're always trying to see how can we improve you know operationally, how can we improve deal sourcing, how can we improve investor returns, and so. I think it's just kind of that commitment to trying to be as, as the best version of ourselves as we can be that, that's helped us grow you know, rather quickly. Very impressive, uh, Zach. I don't remember for sure when we last spoke. I'm not sure that the partnership had come into place. You may have been forming it or you just right. got started. Yeah, right on. Yeah. yeah. So that is a phenomenal progress there. Take us back through that time, Zach, of actually forming the partnership. How did you all come together? How did you all actually, once coming together, how did you put the team together to be such a dynamic uh, and growth-oriented team? Yeah, great, great question. Now, it's a good point, you know, providing context from our last discussion. So, yeah, so basically, you know, quick background on me, you know, January 2018, I resigned from my W-2 job and sold some equity I had in that company and lived off of savings for over a year to figure out how to get into multifamily. And you know, during that process, I was like, quote unquote, dating different business partners, meaning you meet people at conferences, meetups, et cetera, and you start underwriting deals, making offers together, and you start to get a sense of, okay, this person doesn't work as hard as, as I need them to work. This person does not communicate with me. This person works very hard, has great communication, but has the same skill set as me, and it's not a complementary role that I need to build the business, right? So you start to learn those things. And so... You know, I met Bikron and Robert in 2018 through a, a conference, a real estate conference in Dallas. And I had already tried to work with other people. And so we actually, the three of us partnered together on our first deal, right? So we've been working together since day one. It's just that we had our own individual brands at that time, right? So I was like ZH Multifamily. Bikron had Bright Investors. Robert was RNA Real Estate Advisors. So, I mean, I think a lot of people start with their own little brand, right? For starting your company. And so we did, you know, our first four or five deals together with our own brands. But then as we started working together more and more, we realized, okay, you know what? This is working. We organically carved out 
our roles, right? And, and when there was mutual respect and we worked well together I and mean, our personalities all, all meshed well as, as well, right? Where in the past, you know, I worked different partners where, okay, who's going to be the alpha leader, right? And who's going to be the person doing this or that? And so that really all meshed together. And so then we decided to kind of, you know, quote unquote, get married in a business sense and create Rise 48 Equity, which was like a new brand, a combined brand. We all shed our individual brands and companies and, you know, identified at Rise 48 Equity because we wanted to show, we wanted to be perceived as like a quote unquote real company, right? Mm-hmm. To investors. And we wanted to start to hire staff and build scale. So we created Rise 48 Equity. We created an, we, we created an S Corp so that we could, you know, have employees and support payroll. And that's when we started, you know, taking salaries ourselves, the three of us, and to support our own living expenses and then started to begin to scale. But it, but it really all comes down to complementary skill sets, right? So my, like I underwrote the first few deals, Alan, and, and that's fine. We did really well. We sold them. We hit home runs, but you know, I hate doing that and it, it's not my skill set. And so Bikron, somebody like Bikron, who has an economics degree, CPA, you know, worked at PricewaterhouseCooper as a corporate auditor, auditing Fortune 100 companies. He's extremely high level financial analysis, much more intelligent than I am. Um, and so he excels with underwriting, financial analysis, post-operation financial analysis. Um, whereas I wanted to be more focused on sourcing deals, raising capital, managing relationships, managing staff. And so you know, that was kind of a perfect, perfect complement. And then you had Robert, who's our chief construction officer. And Bikron's our CFO, by the way. Robert's our chief construction officer, and he has a master's degree in architecture, strong construction background. So he really excels overseeing interior renovations, CapEx projects, things like that. And so you know, in the beginning, we identified, okay, we have, among the three of us, we have the skill sets, backgrounds to really satisfy what we need to do to operate these deals. And the three of us were literally doing every single minutia detail you can imagine of the business for those deals. And so we got to learn all the details that are involved with that. As we started to scale, we realized, okay, we needed to start hiring staff, delegating these tasks because we only have so much bandwidth as, as individuals, right? And so because we knew each department so well, we could hire people and train them to do what we were doing. And then it came down to, okay, we have to let go. Like We have to trust that these people, we have to empower them, trust that they can do what they need to do. And that's scary too, right? Like I, I was handling all of the, the loan paperwork, loan documents, all communication with lenders counsel during acquisitions. And I remember, you know, we hired our first transactions associate and I told him, you know, we needed to overnight ship the signature pages. I said, go to FedEx and ship these. Do not screw this up because if these don't get there tomorrow, we're not going to close and we're going to lose our earnest money. And so it's like little things like that. Now it's automatic, you know, and I trust him. So it's, it's things like that, but it starts first with, you know, finding at least that one person or two people to be your business partner who you have mutual respect. You know, you're going to push each other, hold each other accountable, work extremely hard, but have those complementary skill sets. And then you can start to build out departments from there. Zach, that's an interesting trajectory. And Interesting how you actually were vetting this partnership in a number of ways, working with people on at least proposals and realizing that certain people didn't have the work ethic that you did and weren't as driven as you were, or else they had skill sets that were not really that different than your own. And so it was just kind of a duplication there. And as you tell this story, you make it uh, sound like it was a fairly simple process, but I'm sure (laughs) that it wasn't. And that there was a lot of work that went into that, a lot of intentionality. Yeah, crazy. 
I'm wondering, did you have a system in process or were you just kind of filling your way through this as you were going through this or did you have a plan laid out? This is where you were going. Yeah, no, we were bootstrapping this thing, Alan. In the beginning, we had no plan. You know, we knew we wanted to buy deals and we knew we wanted to perform on those deals. But as you get going, you start to identify issues or challenges or vulnerabilities in your company. And then you start to create systems and processes. And so I think your ability to, to adapt to problems or, cha- or, pers- or upcoming challenges and be proactive, that's what's going to make the difference between being successful and not being successful. You know, we never had planned to start a property management company. We really didn't. But, you know, after we acquired our first 2000 units, everything was going fine with third party property management. But then we started seeing COVID hits and across the country, especially in property management, there's a diluted labor pool. And we kept having turnover of our on site staff that were employees of the property management company. And these third party property management companies, you know, if, if you want to make money, do not start a property management company because it's a very low margin crappy business model, to be honest. And so what was happening is these property management companies could not compete and offer attractive compensation and benefits to retain staff. And so we had other property management companies literally showing up on site of our properties and picking off our staff, just giving them better offers. So we said, you know what? We've got 2000 units and we're going to continue to scale significantly. We have to have full control of this and and have continuity because it luckily Mm -hmm. did not affect, it did not negatively impact our portfolio because our, our W2 employees, which were our asset management staff, were micromanaging the property manager to make sure everything was going well. But then that takes away bandwidth from our asset management staff and what they should be doing. And so we started our own property management company, Rise 48 Communities. And the whole philosophy was that we are going to offer the most competitive compensation and the best benefits in the industry, to not only to recruit, but retain the best talent. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've done. Okay, So we offer extremely competitive um, salary compensation. We have we cover 100% of all of our employees' medical healthcare benefits, all of their dental vision, and we cover 50% of all their dependents. What that's allowed us to do is recruit top tier talent from places like Graystar and like luxury class A property management companies. And so we had no experience starting and running a property management company, but we hired people who do. We hired experts in the field. We hired regional directors and entire accounting staff, controller, you name it. We hired all these people who are experienced and who are experts. And we said, listen, we want to be the best in this market. You are going to have autonomy. You're going to be highly incentivized. There's obviously going to be accountability. You know, We have several meetings, weekly meetings with our staff to make sure everything is on track. But that's something that we had to do to adapt, right? To make mm-hmm. sure that you know we can continue to scale responsibly and build up this infrastructure. And then we took, prior to that, even we took construction management in-house, meaning that we were hiring people that would personally source, bid out, and manage all of our own vendors, construction crews. So we've got several construction coordinators who literally just spend 40 plus hours a week walking units that are undergoing renovations, making sure they're staying on schedule and on budget. You know, And then we started buying all of our materials directly wholesale from overseas manufacturers so that we get discounts and so there's different things that we've done as we're growing and 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 developed. And so we've developed systems and processes and we're always looking to do that. You know, just yesterday we hired a director of training from JP Morgan Chase. You know, she's been there for 10 plus years and she wants to be with a younger company that has a lot of upside to grow. You know, and she's been making a six figure salary for years at Chase training their staff. Well, we need her to train our staff. Right. So our, our on-site managers 
things like that. And so there's different things we're putting in place to always try to adapt and and grow. And so I think we did have big ambitions to answer your question, Alan. But as you start getting rolling youth and momentum, you start to see what is possible and you start making those goals even bigger. And then you start to build infrastructure to achieve those goals. So that's that's kind of the, I think, the organic evolution that we've been experiencing. Well, Zach, very, very impressive to build such what sounds to me like a very solid company and a very solid system. And the synergy that uh, came into play between the three of you, it seems like it's it's really kind of phenomenal. You don't hear that happening uh, very often. What do you account for that? I mean, was it just totally and completely accidental or or how did it actually happen? Yeah, no, great, great question, Alan. No, I think it was intentional because I think that I had I had talked to I had been partnering with other people and and we even had other partners earlier on that we just got rid of. You know, we just thought we're not gonna work with you anymore just because they didn't bring a lot of value and it's nothing personal. And so you have to understand, I, I think that there's been like multifamily now has become kind of mainstream in the sense that like, you know, everybody just wants to partner with each other, co-GP, and it's become social. You have all these like Zoom, Zoom networking meetings, et cetera, which, which is fine. That's great because I think it gives a lot of exposure to people. But I think that people have to remember when it comes down to the business, it's a business, right? Mm-hmm. And so you have to understand what is best for the business, which is best for the investors. What is going to happen when you have, what's going to give you execution of the business plan? Because if you've got five co-GPs, who's in charge, right? And does everybody just want to take credit so they can post on social media? Who's actually going to execute the business plan? And if somebody's not doing anything, you really don't need them. So I think, you know, for us, it was important to identify like the, like the, the black and white of what's effective. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and then I think, you know, I am very fortunate to have met, you know, Bikron, and Robert, and especially, you know, Bikron and I, you know, we're, we both work very hard and, and Bikron has an elite work ethic. And I think that we feed off of each other and we hold each other accountable. Right. And, and I know that as the CEO and leader of this company, I've got a lot of eyeballs on me at all times. You know, I walk through our office and everybody's looking at me. I am the representative of the company. And so anything I do is going to be under the microscope. And so it's up to me to always exhibit, you know, that strong leadership and, and kind of lead the pack so to speak. So I think you've got to have different leaders in, in different departments and you have to be able to evaluate talent. And so I think Bikran and I have both evolved as, as strong leaders, I would say. And then we've been able to hire strong leaders in director and manager roles and, and give them autonomy while still holding them accountable you know, so they can kind of build up their departments. And so I think it is very difficult to find that one other you know synchronistic business partner. But once you can find that person, you can kind of feed off of each other and, and have that exponential growth. And then that person is like gold, you know what I mean? Because it's hard, it's hard to find. And, and, and there's, it's hard to replace that because I can't do any of this on my own. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like when you have adversity, who's going to pick you up? Who's going to hold you accountable? But when you have somebody else, it just gives you that momentum. I think initially it's hard when you're starting trying to start with one of these companies because you don't have that other person. But as you start to get one or two people and you start hiring staff, you kind of have that team mindset, right? Like with any team, you can all kind of feed off of each other. And and there's like power in that. There's camaraderie in that. And so I think, you know, I think one big thing that we've done too, Alan, that's kind of, you know, been counter to what the culture has been in the country the last couple of years is that we've been in the office every day, you know, since we started hiring staff. Okay. And, and you know, we, we hired our first employee in March, 2021. So I know it was still kind of after COVID, but a lot of companies were still working remote and still are. Starting in March 2021, the expectation is you're at the office every single day, Monday through Friday, since then. Mm-hmm. And so we don't we don't allow remote work. 
we want people to be in the office. We want accountability. We want you to be focused on this. And that's just our philosophy, right? And we feel that there's power in that camaraderie and accountability. And, and now just most recently, a couple months ago, we purchased our own office building, right? So we were outgrowing our own lease. We just purchased a 21,000 square foot building. We're occupying the entire thing. And that's very exciting because now we can hire without having to worry about outgrowing the space. We have a large training room and, and company event room. So a couple of weeks ago, we had our quarterly all staff meeting. We had 130 people in this room, you know, and that's kind of cool when you've got your entire team together in a building that you own. And so there's a lot of power, I think, in being in person. And with that comes the accountability and the momentum. Zach, tell us how it is that we can get in touch with you and take advantage of your knowledge and expertise. Yeah, thanks so much, Alan. So um, if you're interested to learn about kind of what we're doing, our investments, you can set up a call with me. You go to Rise48Equity, so R-I-S-E 48Equity.com. And there's a, a section where you can set up a call. You can send me an email, Zach, Z-A-C-H at Rise48Equity.com. And I'm always happy to, to share anything or bring any value to anybody that, that I can, if I can help. And all of that information will be in the show notes as usual. Zach, my take on this is that all three of you in the management team here, I, I know you didn't have a great deal of management experience before going into this. How about your two partners? Did it, either of them have management experience? No, they did not. I probably had the most because I was, so I was a director of marketing. So I had a marketing team I managed. And then I was president and co-owner of a hospice organization. And we scaled that company from 50 employees to 110 employees in about 18 months. And then we sold it to a private equity group. So that gave me a lot of experience you know, running a healthcare organization of how to effectively recruit, hire, and train, and kind of build infrastructure. It was a different industry, but still, I think, I think that mm -hmm. translated. But I think Bikron's experience, you know, working as a corporate auditor and then as a project manager for a private accounting company, he wasn't really managing teams, but he was creating a lot of backend systems and processes. And so I think that his experience has been invaluable with creating mm -hmm. efficient systems for all departments of the company. You know, so I think that I mean, it's a good point. I think it, it, it is good to have a managing experience. It goes a long way. But I think in like Bick, Ryan, and Roberts, in, in their cases, you know, they've been, they've developed those skills going through it. And if I can help, you know, give advice on their employees, then I'll do that and, and vice versa. So we can always bounce each other, bounce ideas off of each other for how to handle different scenarios with, with employees, HR, things like that. Yeah, more and more those technical systems are are so much more valuable and important than even what they were 10 years ago. 100%. And it is good you've got somebody on the team to cover that. So you did have some management experience, so you didn't just go into this totally blindly. Right, right. It goes a long way. Yeah, so that explains some of the phenomenal growth in conjunction with this. Still, nonetheless, uh, that was a lot of growth and development in a short period of time. And so from I think what I'm getting here, Zach, is that in about a year and a half, you went from almost zero employees to 130 employees. Am I getting that correct? That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And, and, you know, 70 to 80 of those employees, Alan, are on site management staff. So like maintenance, property managers, things like that. And then, you know, the, the rest are regional directors. And then we've got, we probably have around at least 40 to 50 plus corporate staff, meaning accounting staff, investor relations, marketing, asset management, HR, 
we have a full-time recruiting in-house recruiting and now we're going to build out the training department so so yeah it's a combination of you know corporate staff who are at the office and then on-site property management level staff mm-hmm. across the two companies of rise 48 equity and rise 48 communities yeah well indeed uh, a lot has happened in the last year and a half very impressive and i'm glad we were able to catch up with one another Enlightened yeah. investors, another enlightening conversation, and what an impressive uh, track record Zach brings to the show today. Enlightened investors, love to hear from you. Send us your questions and your comments, and I look forward to being with you next time. Zach, thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, thanks so much, Alan. Thanks everybody for listening. Really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steve Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.